Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the Everything USC podcast on Believe, the place to find a sports or pop culture show for passionate fan bases across multiple platforms. This is Believe, every team, every topic, everywhere. I'm your host, Nara Wang, and for episode 85, my guest is one of the legends of USC football history, a two-time national champion and 2004 All-American with the Trojans, who went on to become a three-time Pro Bowler and 2007 All-Pro linebacker with the Seattle Seahawks, and is now a Believe Network colleague of mine as co-host of the Take 12 podcast covering the Seahawks. Lofa Tatupu, it's awesome to have you back on the Everything USC podcast. Nara, thank you. What an introduction. I, I appreciate you, brother. And of course, if you enjoy listening to the show, please subscribe, download, and rate it wherever you get your favorite podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, TuneIn, and more. Or go right to our website, Believe.com. That's B-L-E-A-V.com. On social media, at Believe Network. For me, you can find me on X, a.k.a. the artist formerly known as Twitter, at Nara Wang Sports, N-A-R-A. W-E-N-G Sports. Lofa, if the fans out there want to find you and what you're up to, where do they go? Yeah, Lofa Tatupu, my name, uh, both X and uh, also on Instagram. Those are the, you know primarily the two platforms I use. And the Take 12 podcast, as you mentioned, uh, part of the Believe Family, Believe Network. Honored to be with them. The Everything USC podcast is brought to you by Bet Online, which is your number one information source. For all your sports wagering info with all the up-to-the-minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. Football is back. Get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals from the NFL and college football at your fingertips with BetOnline's real-time updates on statistics, news, and odds. From week one all the way to the college football playoff and Super Bowl, BetOnline gives you access to the best football promotions and contests available anywhere online. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Saturday night's game at the Coliseum may be the last time that USC plays its oldest rival, Stanford, for quite some time due to massive conference realignment, something we'll get into more later in the show. If so, the Trojans will hold big-time bragging rights for a while after the historic beatdown that they put on the Cardinal. In a series dating back to 1905, the 56-10 win is the most points SC has ever scored in this rivalry and the third largest margin of victory for the Trojans over Stanford. The 49 points in the first half are the most by USC in any game and a half since the 49 second half points in 1974 versus Notre Dame in that amazing 55-24 comeback victory after the Trojans were down 24-0 in the second quarter the game in which Anthony Davis, the Notre Dame killer, had four touchdowns. It's the first time in Trojans history they've scored at least 50 points in each of the first three games of a season, and with that 3-0 start, 
USC moves up to number five in both the AP and coaches polls. They scored six touchdowns on seven possessions in the first half before a slow second half with a lot of starters, including quarterback Caleb Williams, on the sidelines to avoid any injuries. Now, Lofa, was that the best half of football the Trojans have played since Lincoln Riley took over last season? Oh, without a doubt. It was near flawless. Like you said, 49-3. to You'd be happy with that score at the end of the game, but the fact you could do that in two quarters against, you know, a, a team that's always showed up to play us, just like you said, a uh, longtime rival, and, you know, they got some talent over there, and, and they just, we showed up and, and showed out, man. It was incredible. One of the full performances, just offense, defense, special teams, everybody chipped in, and uh, it was essentially over by half. Yeah. I mean, 573 yards of total offense, 433 of those coming in that incredible first half. Caleb Williams, returning Heisman Trophy winner, just keeps tacking on to the resume. Only played the first half, went 19-21, 281 yards, three touchdowns throwing, and ran for a 21-yard touchdown on the first drive of the game. Zachariah Branch, the true freshman, just an incredible, exciting young player. Had a 75-yard punt return touchdown a minute into the second quarter that made the score 28-0. He's the third Trojan since 1971, which is how far the records go back to, with a punt return, a kickoff return, and a receiving touchdown in the same season. The only two other guys to do it, Adoree Jackson in 2016 and the great Curtis Conway back in 1992. Wow. Brendan Rice, 75-yard touchdown catch on the first play after Stanford had kicked the field goal to make it 35-3 in the second quarter, the longest catch of his career, and that basically really put the game away. Taj Washington, four catches, 73 yards, continuing his strong season so far. Marshawn Lloyd, the running back transfer from South Carolina, leading the way on the ground with 77 yards on nine carries and got into the end zone as well. Miller Moss played the whole second half, went an efficient 11-15, yards, and got a 15-yard touchdown run with under a minute to go in the fourth quarter for the only USC score of the second half. Deuce Robinson, the true freshman receiver, four catches, 71 yards, all in that second half from Moss. Austin Jones, Dorian Singer, and Lake McCree had the other Trojan touchdowns. I mean, how ridiculous is this (laughs) USC offense when it is clicking on all cylinders? I mean, I guess, you know, we should start rightfully so with the Heisman, you know, trophy winner. And I mean, he's breaking his own records at this point. I think he's already broken a bunch of, you know, my Heisman Trophy quarterbacks, Carson Palmer and Matt Leinert's records. Even I think he's he's got one more game of 400 yards or, or some or four touchdowns to pass Matt Barkley and his amazing records. But the craziest thing is he's doing it all in a half these days. He doesn't even get to play into the third quarter in several of these games, but. Yeah, we go as he goes. There's all the weapons at his disposal, but he's so talented, and the game moves so slow for him. I wouldn't be surprised if you ever put Caleb at tailback full time, he'd be a Heisman Trophy tailback. That's how talented. You saw that run he had, the patience to set up the block, run over a guy at the goal line. There's nothing he can't do, but it's really we're watching something special, and you know, I hope the fans just don't take it for granted because. It's, you know, he's probably, he's probably gone after this year, and uh, I hope he gets us to the playoffs and, and gets us another championship. 
I mean, when you watch him play, it looks sometimes like it's just too easy. It's like things move in slow motion for him. Like the pass to Dorian Singer for the touchdown where it was what I call a Kayla Williams special. He, you know, moves around, finds the opening, makes sure not to cross the line of scrimmage. And then Singer comes open in the back of the end zone. Bam, hits him. Touchdown. I mean, have you ever seen a guy with that much control of his surroundings as a quarterback at the college level? No, no, it's unbelievable. And he does it with great conscious about, you know, where defenders are. So he's not risking turnovers because that's kind of what a lot of kids coming from high school to college, you know, they're, they're playmakers. They're usually the best athlete on the field. And so when they start getting around out of the pocket, they get a little careless with the ball and, um, you know, turn it over, especially when they go from high school to college. But I think. His most impressive performance to me actually wasn't even in a, a Trojan uniform. I know it's going to make a lot of our fans cringe when I say that. But when they were playing, I think it was Texas in the, the Red River shootout or that rivalry game, and he came off the bench at halftime. They were down two or three scores, and he led them back to a victory. I knew right then that what we were looking at was something absolutely out of this world. He's special. Yeah, I agree. I remember watching that game as well and thinking like, yeah, Spencer Rattler, your days are numbered because Kayla Williams is so special, so talented. And the only nitpick I could really have for him, and this is more for the NFL level once he gets there, is that sometimes he will turn down that easy short pass just to complete a ball to run around a little bit more and look for something deep and try and make a big play. You can get away with that maybe in college against some of these opponents. Probably not going to get away with it as much at the NFL level. So that'd be the only thing I would say is that, hey, sometimes just take that check down, dump it off, avoid maybe getting hurt or anything like that. But otherwise, it's fun to watch that guy. And we'll see if the voters are going to give him credit for another great season if he continues this for a second straight Heisman Trophy, something that's only been done once by Archie Griffin back in 74 and 75. Now let's flip it over to your side of the ball, the defense they had 10 tackles for loss in the game, two of them sacks, two fumble recoveries, an interception. Jalen Smith leading the team with six tackles, one of them for loss. Solomon Bird, four tackles, three of them for loss. Had the strip sack in the second quarter that knocked the starting Stanford quarterback, Ashton Daniels, out of the game. Max Williams, three tackles, one for loss, and that interception. Jamil Muhammad. Had a sack and forced fumble that was recovered by the freshman linebacker Tackett Curtis. They held Daniels and backup quarterback Justin Lampson to a combined 10 of 25 passing, 140 yards, and that interception by Williams. So what have you seen, Lofa, from this year's defense that gives you hope that what happened last season won't happen again? Well, this is the first, you know, actually outing that they put it together. We've got a bunch of talent. We really do. You know, we're deep at several positions and, you know, that's awesome. But, you know, just more with like the discipline and really even like the, the little things of like form tackling, you know, those are the little things that, that go a long way in terms of limiting extra yardage. But the turnovers that they were able to get, I mean, those create more opportunities for Caleb in that offense. The tackles for loss, like you said, it puts the opposing team behind the sticks and now they're faced with second and third and longs. And now it's really changed the way the game, the offensive coordinator can call it. So, you know, Bear Alexander, I don't know if we mentioned him, every time he shows up. And then I'm still trying to get some of these guys' names down because they're all so new. Uh, 
Solomon Bird, 51. He's, he's all over the place. Bullock, he's always been steady, great playmaker. Love watching him play. Williams, like you said, I think he had a pick. We are a different defense, though, when Gentry's out there. You know, I know he's been hurt a little bit, but we're way more dynamic when he's out there. And then even from a consistency standpoint, you know, the uh, elder statesman, Shane Lee, I think it was a San Jose game. We had a couple of injuries. He goes in and gets a sack right away on a, a hub coverage. He had the running back in coverage, and the running back stayed in to protect, and he just added on to the blitz, and all of a sudden they were faced with like a, a second and 20. And so like the little things like that, go a long way but I know I know we're still pretty young at some key spots Curtis is going to be a good one his speed is all over the place and, and he, he loves to hit so it's fun to watch these guys play and if they could just continue to just get the nuances uh, and the details of the defense and be disciplined with the eyes because there were some times that San Jose State quarterback's a stud but there were some times where guys just ran right by them and you know you can't have that happen right and I agree. I think there's a lot to like, especially in that game against Stanford. And we're just going to have to see as USC faces better competition going on throughout the season, how this defense holds up. Obviously, that was one of the big question marks coming in to the 2023 season. And you mentioned Bear Alexander. You mentioned Eric Gentry, a guy who missed this last game, actually missed the last two games, is linebacker Mason Cobb, the Oklahoma State transfer. Mm -hmm. But a lot of these newcomers have done really well. Is there anyone you'd like to point out as having been the biggest stud so far for USC? Like I said, every time I look up, Alexander's in the backfield or, or he's throwing somebody, you know, five yards back. That's the D-line that I played with when I was at SC. I know I'm talking one of those old heads now, like way back in my day. But, you know, Sean Cody, Mike Patterson, Kenichi Deze, Lawrence Jackson, Cedric Ellis, Philly Moala. I, we just had monsters up front. And so it was fairly easy for myself, Dallas Sarge, Matt Grudgood, Keith Rivers, and all the, uh, you know, linebackers back then to just run around and fly and hit. And then, and then the ball's coming out faster. So that's why I always credited a lot of my interceptions came because pressure was there. And so even if we're in the zone coverage, I can jump that first window. And that's the thing. It goes hand in hand coverage and, and pressure uh, of the quarterback. So. Let's get to my predictions segment. Spencer Tillman, the Fox Sports College football analyst, was my guest last week. And I continue my string of success against the guests so far. I moved my record up now. I have six wins, no losses, and just one tie in the predictions so far. Spencer, in the players that we believed in, he took his old teammate Jerry Rice's son, Brendan Rice, who had the 75-yard TD catch, as I mentioned. I took Marshawn Lloyd, who had the 77 yards on the ground and a touchdown. So we're calling that a tie in the game score. Since Spencer was calling the game for Fox, he's not allowed to make a prediction on the winner and the game score. So I had a free chance to get a point there. But I thought Stanford would come out and maybe surprise us a little early, get on the defense early. So I only had a 45-20 USC victory under the 29-point spread on Bet Online, And so I told Spencer, if USC covered the spread, then I wouldn't take credit for the USC win. And obviously, USC more than covered that spread. So I will not take a win there. And then in the prop bet, Nara's no doubter. USC will have 500-plus yards of total offense. And for the third straight game, they did 573 yards there. 
And then Spencer's was Tria and Sia. He said that three USC wide receivers would go over 100 yards receiving on the game. And while that didn't happen, three receivers did go over 70 yards, but none had more than the 75 that Rice put up. So he did not get credit there. So I got the win there. So for me, one win and one tie in the week, 6-0-1 on the season. And so... Lofa, no game this week, so you don't have to make predictions against me because I'm on a hot streak right now. Nice. We're going to (laughs) tie. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, of course, this is the Everything USC podcast on Believe. I'm Nara Wang. My guest today, one of the greats in USC football history, Lofa Tatupu, also a fellow Believe Network host as he is a part of the Take 12 podcast covering his Seattle Seahawks. If you enjoy the show, subscribe, download, and rate it wherever you get your favorite podcasts, or go right to our website, Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, on social media, at Believe Network. For me, you can find me on what used to be called Twitter, now called X, or whatever you want to call it today, at Narawang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Lofa, where can the people find you? Yeah, just Loaf the Tupu on Instagram and also on X. And also, please follow, like, and subscribe to uh, Take 12 Podcast, wherever you get your audio. This is Dane Blanton, head coach of the USC Women's Beach Volleyball Team and Olympic gold medalist. And you're listening to the Everything USC Podcast with Nara Wang on Believe. With the off-week Saturday, we're going to just discuss the season ahead of us. So in this second segment, I will want to begin, though, Lofa, with how do you feel about having an off week so early in the season? You know, I I think when you're young in college, you know, it's different when you're in the pros. In the pros, that's brutal because you're coming off a camp and everything. But in college, I think it's pretty good to your advantage because you can work on some of the things that, like I said, maybe tackling could be, you know, something that they work on, you know, a little more. And, um, you know, just awareness. I think that's the biggest thing going from high school to college is everybody's great athletes. Now, like, you can actually slow it down. Pete Carroll used to go to walk-through tempo for a couple practices so that guys could actually, you know, you know you're going to go fast on game day. You know you're going to, you know, have your hair on fire to make tackles. But slow it down and get correct angles with proper leverage on the, you know, same foot, same shoulder on when you strike. And then – Thinking the game, you know, so tendency-wise, you can actually really get a, a good look at the next opponent and, and see how they like to attack on their offense and defense schematically. So after these three straight home games to start the season, USC will be on the road for the next two versus Arizona State and Colorado before coming back to the Coliseum to face Arizona to finish off the first half of the regular season. Now. I know Colorado has made a big splash with Deion Sanders, Coach Prime, as everyone calls him now. Do you expect any trouble from these three schools that are next on the schedule? Absolutely, but we can't, you know, be busy looking ahead. That's where, especially at the college ranks, you know, trap games, where we're looking ahead to Colorado because that's a big one in Boulder. But Arizona State, man, our first road game, you got to take care of business there to earn the right to have a marquee matchup in Colorado. But, you know, you wanted to talk about it, so let's talk about Coach Prime. I thought it would take a year, you know, like he might go have a couple setbacks this year. And then, but I mean, they look ready. And he got, 
you know, the portal, you got about 60 or 70 kids that came in and, and they the, the culture has changed. They expect to win. And you can see it when they went in on the road to uh, TCU, who was just in the national championship. I know they lost a couple guys, but they've been on the top uh, of college football for a while now. And he went into their house. And even after giving up the lead late, his son Shador marched that team all the way down seven minutes to get the go-ahead score. It was something spectacular to watch. And just like Prime said himself, or Coach Prime, I don't want to call him Prime. I know uh, there was an interview out there where he said Coach Prime. Right. <laughs> but but um, he's won everywhere he's gone from the time he was a kid. So I don't expect things to change. Like I said, I thought it would take a year, you know, to get there. They're there now. And um, that Hunter is one of the best athletes I've ever seen in my life. And then the young freshman Edwards, the running back, he's explosive, too. But you can't say enough about Shador and what he's doing. That jump from, you know, because I, I transferred into USC from University of Maine. And so it's very similar, I would say, to the HBCU. And, and making that jump so seamlessly is incredible, especially at the quarterback position. His first game, I think he was 37 to 46, probably three or four drop passes that would have added another 150 yards and a touchdown. So, even though he broke the, the school record in his first outing, he could have had close to 600-plus yards and another touchdown. It was, it's absolutely wild to see. Obviously, everyone's looking forward to that matchup, but you're right. Don't forget about the trap game possibility of being on the road for the first time in Tempe against Arizona State, which is why I think having the off week might be good to get them focused on to not overlooking the Sun Devils. They've got the first-year head coach there, Kenny Dillingham, who was the Oregon offensive coordinator last season and I thought that Colorado could go maybe six and six this season which I thought compared to what other people were saying was pretty optimistic but they look like they might blow that out of the water now based on how they're playing but they do have after this week's game against Colorado State two tough Pac-12 matchups to begin conference season at Oregon and then USC so We'll see how they fare once they get into the Pac-12, which is now all of a sudden the greatest conference in the world in what's going to be its final season. So (laughs) now let's look ahead to the second half of the season, which begins with the trip to South Bend to face Notre Dame and then alternates between road and home games each week with Utah following the Fighting Irish and then at Cal, Washington, at Oregon and UCLA. So how difficult will it be for the Trojans to get through that gauntlet that is the final six games of the regular season? Yeah, they got to take it one game at a time. Every single team proposes their own challenge, you know, whether it's home or away. You know, Notre Dame, they look tough and they look like they're doing great. Utah beat us twice last year. Can't forget about that. Like you said, a gauntlet of serious contests. So I just like one game at a time. But then why I'm optimistic is because should they give us a challenge, Caleb's actually going to play four quarters. He's not going to play one half. So I'm confident in what we'll be able to do. It will be interesting to see once Caleb Williams and the starters have to play more. Right now, the first three games, there's been a lot of rotations in and out on both sides of the ball, which is great. This is what you're supposed to be doing against these opponents, figuring out who your best players are and getting a lot of guys experience in different types of playing time. So we'll see what happens. but. Time for you to make some predictions. We don't have game predictions, but I want to hear from you, Lofa Tatupu. 
Will USC end up winning the Pac-12 and making it to the college football playoff? Yes, we absolutely will win the Pac-12. College football playoff? You know, the tough thing about it, not making any excuses, is the SEC, they always get so much credit, deservedly so. It is one of the premier conferences, and you get so many matchups where a top 10 plays a top 10. You know, it's just like, even though Bama lost, and, you know, and they'll, they'll drop down in the rankings. They're going to have some other key opponents where they can climb back into the fight and even a one loss team. So we have to go undefeated for us. I believe anybody that's coming out of the pack has to go. It can't be a one loss team. So I believe we run the table and yes. So I, I will say yes, we do make the playoffs. Wow, I think I would agree with you in a normal year, in these recent years, that we would have to go undefeated. But the Pac-12 might be so good this year that the Pac-12 champ could get away with maybe one loss, Mm. I'm thinking. And the SEC does not look as good so far. I mean, we saw Auburn go to Cal, and Cal should have won that game. And Mm. I know Auburn isn't very good, but you know how the SEC people talk, oh, their ninth place team would win any other conference, you know, nonsense like that. So I think this year you've really got Georgia and Alabama will still be good, but maybe they're not as good as they have been losing at home to Texas. And I know Texas is probably better this year, but I think the SEC may be a little bit down. The Pac-12 is going to go out in a blaze of glory. And I think SC does have one loss, but as long as it's not in that Pac-12 title game, they should be able to be okay and make the college football playoffs. So we'll see what happens there. But again, this is the Everything USC podcast. I'm Nara Wang. And my guest, Lofa Tatupu, one of the great USC linebackers of all time, went on to become an all-pro linebacker in the NFL with the Seattle Seahawks. Now, also a Believe Network colleague of mine as co-host of the Take 12 podcast. If you enjoy listening, please subscribe, download, and rate the Everything USC Podcast, wherever you get your favorite podcasts, or go to the website, Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, on social media, at Believe Network. For me, I am on X or Twitter or whatever Elon Musk wants to call it today, at Narawang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Lofa, if the people want to catch up with you, where do they go? Yeah, so Lofa Tupu on both X and Instagram, and then the Take 12 podcast where we cover not just the Seahawks, but also we look at the landscape of the NFL. I have a bunch of guests, you know, come on. Just had Leroy Hill, one of my favorite linebackers to play with at the NFL. So, yeah, Take 12 podcast is where you can find it. Hey everybody, this is Spencer Tillman, Fox Sports College Football Analyst and former Oklahoma NFL running back. And you're listening to Everything USC Podcast with Nara Wayne on the Believe Network. And in the final segment, as I usually do, we're going to talk about the massive conference realignment that is taking place in the world of college sports. I talked to Lofa when he was on the show last year about USC and UCLA moving to the Big Ten starting with next year. So we're not going to go into that as much. I just want to talk more about what else has happened now in the last really month, two months that have turned us whole college sports landscape around. The Pac-12 completely collapsing in upon itself as Washington and Oregon are going to join USC and UCLA in the Big Ten. Colorado, Utah, and the Arizona schools are going to go to the Big 12. Stanford and Cal are going to the ACC. 
How shocking is this collapse of the Pac-12 to you, Lofa? Not terribly shocked. I figured as soon as we moved, you know, and brought our little brothers, UCLA, with us, that, you know, it's funny because I'm up here in Husky territory in Seattle, and I was getting all kinds of crap from, you know, Duck fans and, you know, Huskies. And then now they come and join us. They just, they want to be with us because, you know, we're winners. So we'll go dominate the Big Ten, just like we dominated the pack. But I really wish just geographically, you know, they could have found a way because we knew super conferences were here to stay and that they're going to eventually expand the playoff system. But just make it easier for the kids. I mean, some of these matchups are going to be fun to watch, but it's going to be logistically, it sounds like hell. Yeah, I mean, football is a once a week sport, but I'm thinking about all the other sports that are going to have to do the crazy kind of travel and everything. And so now, obviously, adding Washington and Oregon to the Big Ten gives us some more West Coast travel partners and teams that we can go and play that are on the West Coast. How do you feel about the Huskies and the Ducks joining us and UCLA in the Big Ten? Yeah, I I figured those are the two that were coming over to, to join us. So it's good that we'll still be able to see some familiar faces. And, uh, hey, if, uh, if a kid was smart, he would get an NIL deal and rack up these sky miles. <laughs> Time to get those airline miles, right? Start early. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and is all of this good for college football or college sports as a whole, in your opinion? I believe so. I believe seeing better matchups, you know, and just the only thing that's constant is change in life. And I think. This has been a long time making every single other division of football, you know, at FCS, Division Two, II, Division Three, they have a real true playoff system, much like the NFL. So the matchups we're going to get to see, I'm so excited for that. And, you know, because like bowl games are fun and all, but you, you never really get to determine an outright champion because it was all by a, a ranking system and ratings. So now, you know, it's, you know, it's going to be these matchups where, you know, a, a team like TCU who got in last year, but years before was, was kept out, Boise State, there's going to be one or two of those that is now going to squeak in and make some noise. And so excited to see a once and for all true outright national champion, because even when we won it, Auburn was undefeated. And then, you know, even though we, we beat the mess out of them the year before, they were saying, oh, it's a new year. We're a different team. I was like, hey, well, we are too. We're better. So. Yeah, the best thing that ever happened to Auburn was being the third team that season yeah. oh. to avoid the beating that you would have given them. Oh, man. Yeah. And I mean, absolutely. We were, they, they still have the same game plan, same players. And you take it back because like I had some Tiger fans that Ben Obamano and Courtney Taylor, my brothers that, that played with me in the NFL for the Seahawks because they were all like, you didn't want to see us. We beat a Virginia Tech team in D.C., to start the year, we beat them. Reggie had like three touchdowns. We beat them by like two scores. And they barely beat them in the Sugar Bowl that year. And so I was like, dude, just, you know, if you didn't want to see us. Yeah, every Auburn fan deep in their soul, in their heart, knows that they wanted nothing to do with the Trojans. Let's be honest here. The best thing that ever happened to that Auburn team is that they could say, oh, we were undefeated. Oh, we should have been <laughs> national champions. Oh, blah, blah. No, you wouldn't have. You would have gotten destroyed just like Oklahoma did. Yeah. And at Jordan-Hare Stadium, their home stadium, we call that the Coliseum East. That, that's our house, too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, 
Auburn had its chances against USC, right? They had their chances to prove something against USC. They didn't get it done. Yeah, we beat them both years in two and three. Carson Troy's last year, they came to the Coliseum. That was a closer game. And then in three, when we went out down there, I think they were preseason like two or three, and we were like six. We beat, uh, I think it was 23 nothing. So I think that was a pretty bold statement that we made. And uh, I can't see that game being close either, whether it was Oklahoma or Auburn. Exactly. So we are going to see some new matchups as we move forward in 2024 with all of the craziness that's going on. But like you said, the only constant is change and USC is going to move into a new horizon and we will see how it goes. But there will be some new matchups for SC. And again, this is all because of money. That's what runs things and the money talks. And that's why we're going to be in the Big Ten. So. Lofa, it is always a pleasure to get to talk football with you, especially about our USC Trojans. Hey, man, like you said, money talks. That's why we walk, and we're going to take our talents over the Big Ten and run it over there. I can't wait to see, you know, Happy Valley, the Shoe, the Big House. I mean, those are some, you know, historic places. So, man, thank you for having me again, Nara. Uh, fight on, my brother, and uh, let's get this national championship this year. It'd be fitting because... You know, 20 years ago, we won our split title, the first of the two. Yeah, the 20-year anniversary of that season. So let's go out and send the Pac-12 off with a national championship. So for my guests, Lofa Tatupu, I'm Nara Wang. Thanks for joining us for episode 85 of the Everything USC podcast presented by Bet Online on Believe the place to find a sports or pop culture show for passionate fan bases across multiple platforms. This is Believe, every team, every topic, everywhere. And as always, I end every show by reminding all of you to fight on. Fight on. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.